And welcome, and we're off. You've landed on the Daily Objective from the Ayn Rand Center UK. Jonathan Honig from CapitalsPig.com. Delighted to have you with us because you are one of us. We're all students of objectivism from varying levels of interest and expertise in Ms. Rand's work, Ms. Rand's life work, the philosophy of objectivism. You know, I got interested in objectivism myself when I was in college. I was a very unhappy young person studying philosophy at Northwestern University in, uh, in Chicago and in, in Evanston, and uh, one of the best universities, I think, in, in, uh, in, in the country. And I was read every philosopher except for Ayn Rand. Someone else recommended her to me, and that's when my journey began. And I'm so glad you're on your journey. You're on it with us because we bring you a daily network of programming, original daily programming inspired by Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism with people who know what they're talking about. I mean, earlier today, I was listening to uh, Robert Nasser and James Valiant with a really fascinating discussion on the kind of a transgender issue inspired and motivated by some of Dr. Peikoff's, Dr. Leonard Peikoff's uh, analysis of that topic. So we're learning together, we're exploring sort of these topics together, uh, and you're part of it. You're part of it right there in the super chat. I already see Robin and so many other uh, of our YouTube members and our Ayn Rand Center UK members, and we need you as members because you are the ones who are keeping us on the air. We are radicals. We're radicals for capitalism, and we do it literally two pounds and five pounds at a time. So thank you for being with us for our program and our discussion today, and I hope to see some of your questions your perspectives in the super chat as well. And of course, uh, they'll all get read uh, as they come in. Wanted to talk a little bit about what? Well, the election. And of course, want to give the full disclaimer that this is not objectivism. This is not a part of objectivism. This is our own uh, interpretation of objectivism. But one of Miss Rand's less well-known lines, but one of my favorite lines of hers, uh, you know, struck me this morning as we're waking up in America and kind of discovering the results of our midterm elections, that elections are determined every month of the year except November. In the States here, our elections are always held in November. Everyone is so eager to find out, oh, what happened with the election? What happened in the election? I mean, it's really, it, it, it gets obviously here and in the UK and all over the world, it gets massive coverage as well it should. But as I understand it, and my interpretation of Ms. Rand's point here is, is that the, the real work, if you will, the real effort comes not on election day, it comes every other month of the year when people are talking about these issues, when they're discussing them, discussing them, when they're thinking about them, when they're applying them to their own lives. And uh, and that's of course what we're a lot of what we're doing here at the Iron Center UK. So I think restrict the, or I should say, you know, restrict the um the desire to want to kind of go with any of these major trend pieces about this one's the future or that one's the future, or, you know, the, 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 it's a red wave, it's a blue wave, it's a you know, nationalist wave, it's a collectivist wave, uh, it's both. We're going to talk about, I think, today briefly what Ms. Rand, I think what Ms. Rand thought about that and some of the analysis from the midterm elections here in the U.S. and perhaps even what that means globally uh, in the U.K. and around the world as well. The, 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 my first takeaway, and one of the reasons I've always been, and those of you who watch the channel regularly know that I'm not terribly always so interested in, in the politics, is that I see po politics, and I believe other thinkers like Dr. Brooke and other objectivist thinkers have said that politics are downstream of everything else. I mean, the politicians only get the ideas from the culture that you know has the ideas, where the ideas are, are festering and are where, where they're part of the part of that world. So Politics are downstream of, of, uh, of everything else. And I point as an example of a politician here in the United States, 
Marco Rubio, you might know his name. I mean, I, he came to power, if you will. He, came, he was elected back in the Tea Party Revolution of 2008. And my takeaway is that the old Marco Rubio would hate today's Marco Rubio. You know, what does that mean? And the old Marco Rubio was that real Tea Party, uh, uh, small government type of a politician, because that's what was popular back in 2008. That's not popular anymore. So, you know, politicians, Dr. Brooke has said this before, they're like weather vanes that kind of just go whichever way the wind is, uh, is blowing. So uh, our hope and my hope is to get the wind blowing in the right day with some better ideas. And I remember those days, actually, I was speaking at those tea parties, talking about the need for the right type of government, uh, uh, moral type of government. Uh, I wish maybe uh, Rand Paul and Marco Rubio had listened to some of my speeches. We get the politicians however we deserve. And that's why I think the obsession with politics, the thinking, oh, if we just get the right person in office, then everything will change. It, 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 it's a little bit fantasy. We get the politicians we deserve based on the, the culture that exists. So we're really focusing on working on, on the culture. And I think for me, again, why politics just never seemed to, it, it never interests me too much. I mean, we, by the time we get the politicians we're gonna be delighted about, in my opinion, the real battle in effect has already been made because we've convinced enough people, we've convinced the uh, most important people, we've convinced the most influential people that individual rights, reason, capitalism, laissez-faire is not only just the most effective way of governing a society, but the moral way of governing a society. So I'm more interested in thinking, how can we influence the next Marco's top young aide? And if it's not Marco in the States, it's someone there in the UK or wherever you're watching this video. You I mean, there's a wonderful story within objectivism of a guy by the name of Martin Anderson. Now he's part of Miss Rand's circles, circle, I believe in the 19, uh, early 1970s. And along with her and other people in the so-called collective wrote about and talked about the need to eliminate the draft, the moral imperative to eliminate the draft to transition the United States to an all-volunteer army. Martin Anderson took those ideas to Washington. He was very close, a close advisor with Nixon, and he ultimately led the charge to abolish the draft in the United States. So that's the power of ideas. I'm interested in influencing the culture, influencing people like the next Martin Anderson who could bring those ideas to the next politician who will be happy to, uh, to, to, uh, to, to come along. Now, if I was in politics, and think and think though, Whatever Lord you pray to, and I hope you don't pray to any of them, but whatever Lord you pretend to pray to that I'm not, if I was in politics, this is the way I think they might consider going both of the parties here in the United States. The GOP is up in arms these days. Republicans are up in arms about everything that's happening in schools, you know, drag queens in schools and sex in schools, all those ter terrible things types of think of schools. So why, excuse me, why doesn't the GOP focus not on school reform, not on getting their crosses or, I don't know, Bible study, whatever it is they want. Why don't they focus on through not just school choice, but school privatization? Focus on getting government out of the realm of ideas and focus on letting individual parents make those choices. And even, you know, there's so many so-called voucher systems you can make. People can go take those, the, the monies they spent on taxes, etc. you know, bring them to private schools. So, you know, GOP, if they really believed it, could take school privatization and really run with it in an exciting way based on an idea of no one should tell you what to educate your child and you have the right to educate your child. That that could be a real effective uh, caring call. 
carrying card if there was a better culture. Conversely, I would love to see the Democrats focus on health privatization, not just, you know, you have a right to this with your body or that with your body, but take, take that all the way and say, yes, you have a right to it and a responsibility for it. And that's why it's the imperative is that health is be completely privatized so that government has no right in your uterus or your body or your womb or, or anything else. And you have a true right to your own body and the responsibility to pay for it. So these are some visionary, dare I say, radical ideas. And, and Mary Aline, the fairy godmother of the Iron City UK, pointing out that politicians don't think independently anymore. They don't. We, we, we get that. That's why we need to do what we're doing is changing the culture, talking about Ms. Ryan, Rand's ideas, trying to integrate them into the world and making these incremental steps. Uh, it doesn't happen by changing a politician all at once. It, changes, it happens uh, you know, little by little. And that's what we do. We speak up. So these are two ideas I think that perhaps they could focus on in a better culture, maybe with some of our help here at the Ayn Rand Center UK. My number two big takeaway in terms of how I'm looking at this election is that objectivism, keep in mind, is not left wing, wing or right wing. You know, people always say, you know, as an admirer of Ayn Rand, or you, you know, you, you must be rooting for the Republicans to win, right? And I, I'm really not, I, I don't see any, for me, I do know this is not obviously objectivism or Ms. Rand talking, I don't see any palpable difference between the so-called left wing or the right wing in America. I see them on the same uh, scope of the same spectrum of collectivism. It's just two types of collectivism. It's a sacrifice to the country, sacrifice to the environment. And objectivism is outside of that. It is not on the left, white, right continuum. It is on the individualist, collectivist continuum, and it's all the way on the individualist side. Uh, and that's the perspective I think we always want to try to focus on, not classifying ourselves as, um, uh, you know, I I'm a right wing or I'm a left wing, but talk about individual issues and apply Ms. Rand's ideas to those issues to explore not just why capitalism, as they say, works, but why it's moral and right as well. Mary Eileen mentioned that abortion rights did well yesterday. And you know we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that as well. And I'm really happy to see that as well as, as, a, as a very basic understanding of, uh, of, of individual, the true nature of individual, individual rights. So it's very important to keep in mind that as objectivists, we're the ones that are radical. I mean, we are totally radical. And we're radical not in the way that either of the extremes, if the left and right, I mean, the People always say, well, you know, I'm 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 a I'm on the left, and I'm not like the extreme or the right extreme, but we as objectivists, we are the totally radical philosophy, different than either of the extremes. And you know, I'll give my example very briefly. I was on a um a libertarian phone salon, kind of a phone discussion with a bunch of libertarians. I mean, I was basically, well, I was just listening until I had to open up my mouth, but um, it was about abortion, Mary Lean, to your point. And there were pro, you know, people who were for it and people who were against it on the uh, on the uh, on the call. And even those who were for it, um, it was this very oh, with a heavy hand. It's a terrible tragedy. We never want to have this happen again. We, you know, this is this is a we have to do everything. To, so, you know, only, if you've ever heard Dr. Jerome Brook talk about abortion, talk about. I don't want to put words into his mouth, but listen to his perspectives on abortion. Read Dr. Peikoff's perspectives on abortion, and you'll understand why objectivism on abortion and objectivism just writ large is totally the radical philosophy for the future, for living on earth. And the, my best kind of start, starting point in terms of how we're not 
right wing or left wing is that people say, well, you're just for you know, small government. Well, start with the nature of government. In fact, read Ms. Rand's essay on the nature of government. So don't think just like, well, we need to cut government down to this size, this size. You start with just understanding what is the basic nature of government? Why do we have a government? What, what is government? What is its purpose? Now, these are these types of thoughtful ideas that neither party, no one even considers anymore. I mean, th these days, as I've talked about, and as I wrote about in, in uh, a new textbook of Americanism, the sense is, is that you know, government is just whatever you can get the votes for. If you can get enough votes for it, anything goes. And that is not the nature of an American government at all, certainly not as Ms. Rand understood it and wrote about it. So start with that idea of not just objectivism is for small government or whatever, the right type of government, a moral government. And of course, objectivism brings totally unique perspectives on so much, on, on trade, on energy, rational self-interest, American exceptionalism, COVID policy, and so much. And you know, I started studying objectivism in the late 1990s. I'm still studying it. I'm still completely... Uh, new with so much of like um, aesthetics and various elements of epistemology. So there's so much to learn. So dive into it, dive into all these little elements of it and, uh, and don't get pushed into thinking like, well, I'm a right winger, I'm interested in Ayn Rand. Three, don't sanction evil. I did a show on this a couple of weeks ago. Definitely want to go back and, and look up, up as well. There's evil out there on both sides. As I said, I mean, I, I just find both parties revolting. So while I know Ron DeSantis is now being kind of christened as the champion of, uh, I guess, you know, if he's if he's the champion of the Republican Party now, I guess he's the defender of, of capitalism. I mean, right, and we know that the Democrats aren't. So don't sanction evil like Ron DeSantis' DeSantis's, uh, outrageous tyrannical social media bill. What, you didn't hear about that? Yeah, I mean, Ron DeSantis signed a bill requiring uh, social media companies to keep politicians on their site. So he he uh, said we're going to fine you two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a day if you there's a, a a candidate that you take off your site. Now, how about that? I mean, imagine if you ran a ran a delicatessen and Ron DeSantis said, "Hey, any um, any a politician who wants a free meal comes in here and gets a free meal." And if you don't do it, you're going to get fined. I mean, that is mob type of thug behavior. I mean, uh, uh, but that's exactly what Ron DeSantis enacted. And I don't sanction that type of evil at all. I speak out against it. You should too. Thankfully, that was struck down as unconstitutional. There was another ruling a year prior that was also unconstitutional. And it's a little disconcerting that the, you know, understood now new leader of the Republican Party, the so-called defenders of capitalism, has no problem forcing you to serve a ham sandwich to a politician you don't like. On the other side, John Fetterman, I believe in Pennsylvania won, and he epitomizes uh, central planning, industrial planning, which is now the, the, you know, the, the love of both parties. Both parties love the central industrial planning. So John Fetterman, if you go to his campaign website, he's got a whole plan of how he's going to regulate the economy. You've got to make more stuff in America, end immoral price gouging, micromanaging the economy, uh, essentially from top to bottom. Certainly the, the industrial elements of the economy, he's got to slash out-of-pocket healthcare costs by freeing up healthcare. No, not of course. You've got to come down on this party and help out this party and subsidize this party. So all evil, don't sanction either one of them. And I'll just give a quick example from my own experience. 
uh, I spoke out pretty aggressively, I believe, against Trump's free market advisors, people like Stephen Moore and uh, and Larry Kudlow, who I believe gave him a complete pass on tariffs. I got a little ink on this. I think I probably felt a little sting about this, but I thought it was very important. This is a topic that's, you know, and if frankly, I felt if people like Moore and Kudlow don't speak out then, then they're sanctioning it. If they just stand by while Trump is passing tariffs and don't speak up, don't voice, then, you know, this is their, this is our time to shine, to speak out and to speak. So I was, I was proud to be able to do that. And I stand by that. And I wish and hope others uh, listen to it and will be inspired by it in the future. Bonnie says, getting straight on the nature of rights is key. And Ms. Rand, of course, wrote about it, man's rights, read it. So what can you do? Well, Ms. Rand talked about it, speak. Speak with us as you're doing here every day with the Iran Center UK. Speak with others within your own circle, within your own context. Doesn't mean you have to be that complete AH, you know, nagging them, oh, fighting them, but you know, one great uh, kind of way to engage in discussion that I know, I believe Ms. Rand used, and I know I've heard Don Watkins and many others use is simply ask why. So when, you know, a friend of yours says, well, everyone knows we need to have the National Health Service because we know that, you know, people can't take care of their, their own health needs. Why? You know, start, start with simply questioning those premises. Ask yourself those premises. And even more importantly, support those who advocate for ideological change such as the Ayn Rand Center UK and the Ayn Rand Institute, two, two organizations that I support. I hope you support them as well. We've got programs going on literally all over the world, planting these ideas and, and changing the future one mind at a time. Um, history is made, said Ms. Rand, by minorities, or more precisely, history is made by intellectual movements, which are created by minorities. Who belongs to these minorities? Hint, you, you. Anyone who is able and willing and act actively concern himself with intellectual issues. Here it is not quantity, but quality that counts, the quality and consistency of the ideas one is advocating. So you are part of it. You are part of this intellectual minority. Ms. Rand didn't call it a philosophy posse, as I have dubbed it, but you are part of the philosophy posse. You are engaging with these ideas with us today. You're thinking about them. Uh, day after day, you're reading Ms. Rand's work and you are influencing your own life and you're making your life better uh, because of it. And, you know, and that's actually kind of what I wanted to end on is, you know, politics, I guess, as I, as I watch it from thankfully being a, a far third party observer, it's about winning elections. And that's not what life is about. Life is about living and pursuing your own values. And that's what subjectivism is about. And if you hate a politician, if you hate the government, that is the biggest to government. Live and enjoy your life despite them. If they're tyrannical, escape them. Find the freest place you can get to and live. You only have one life on this earth, uh, on this earth. And, and, and only a, how many years to achieve something? Self-esteem we know comes from productive achievement. It's possible for anyone to do that. And you only get one turn are on this, on this earth. You only get one dance, if you will. So don't waste it. And that's ultimately, I think the really, the exciting thing about, uh, about objectivism. It's not about winning uh, political battles on Twitter. Uh, it's about living and pursuing your happiness. And you know, in America, there's that wonderful line, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And it's 
your happiness, my happiness. That's the thing that's so exciting about America, the American promise that's available, I think, to anyone who believes in the individual, anyone who believes in reason, and anyone who wants to share these ideas as we're sharing them every day here with you. Thank you for supporting what we do with the Ayn Rand Center UK. Our members make us possible. We want you to be one of them. It's not so difficult to do. Go over to the website. It's uh, We're going to put it in the super chat here or the, the chat right now. It's, I believe it's ayrandcenter.co.uk to that effect. And um, become a member. Five pounds, 10 pounds a month. We can keep this programming going. We bring you people like James Valiant, who studied with Dr. Peacock. We bring you people like Harry Binswanger, who knew Miss Rand, who wrote a book with Miss Rand, who off, you know, studied with Miss Rand. We bring you Don Watkins, uh, Raka Ali, Mark Pellegrino, so many great resources here at the Ayn Rand Center UK. Even stuff like you know the, the Fountainhead Reading Group or Dr. Peikoff's uh, Ominous Parallels Reading Group. So if you're just getting into these works for the first time, or if you want to reread them and say, you know, I hadn't thought about that, or you know, I really always there's no kind of wrong answers here. We're all students and we're all learning together and it's fun. I mean, is there anything really more fascinating than Miss Rand's works? And it's like, just when you think you've often figured out, she'll surprise you with a really fascinating or interesting take. So um, there's so much to learn. Be part of what we're doing. And, um, and, and today's the best example. Thanks to your continued support. Coming up at 10 p.m. UK tonight, it's The Cutting Edge with Lee Pearson and the aforementioned special guest, Harry Binswanger, Binswanger. The topic's gonna be, what exactly is under our direct volitional control? So like I was saying, we bring this whole bevy, whole smorgasbord of fascinating perspectives from people who know what they're talking about in the realm of objectivism on topics you know, ranging from TV talk with Mark and some of his awesome gang to uh, Harry and the most detailed elements of uh, epistemology and, and, and sense, perfect, uh, sense perception. So. Thank you for being part of what we're doing. Keep it tuned here. You know what to do. Ring the bell, share the show, like the show, fax the show, email the show, be part of the show, support the show. We really need it. We really need it. Rosie Ginsburg is literally on a plane now. He's our esteemed leader at the Ayn Rand Center UK. He's on a plane now going, I believe, from Stockholm back to UK. He's organizing. He's meeting with people. He's raising money. He's speaking at conferences. He's really being such a uh, a bright light for freedom for individual rights in the UK and around the world. So we need your help to keep that going. So we'll see you tomorrow. We'll see you this afternoon, just uh, in a few hours tonight for for uh, uh, Lear Pearson and Harry Binswanger, uh, just one of my all time favorites right here with the Ayn Rand Center UK. Until then, it's Jonathan Honing from CapitalistPig.com. Best premises.